0: I think it is so worth it to just take 30 seconds before you enter that room with the patient and their wide-eyed family and think, how can I describe this in a way that won't sugarcoat it, but will also give them hope. Welcome
1: to episode 44 of About IBD. I'm Amber Tresca. I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis at age 16 and had two-step J-pouch surgery 10 years later. I'm the IBD expert at verywell.com and the person behind aboutibd.com and the About IBD social media platforms. It's my mission to educate people living with IBD about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. The stigma surrounding Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis can have wide-ranging effects on everything from treatment decisions to personal relationships. Sophia Vicari, founder of The Princess Promise, has taken her experiences as an ulcerative colitis patient and turned them into advocacy. The circumstances surrounding her diagnosis have spurred her to work towards raising awareness of IBD and to show women that having a digestive disease does not mean they can't also be princesses. Sophia was Miss Camden County, New Jersey in 2018 and used her platform to start a conversation around IBD. She tells me how that experience affected her as well as how she plans to continue her work in erasing stigmas about the throne room. Hi, Sophia.
0: Hello, how are you? I am doing well. How are you? I am. Super excited to be here! I know that you have interviewed some really great IBDers and medical professionals, so I feel quite honored to be among the ranks of such as those.
1: Oh, thank you so much! It's really been a great journey that that I've gone on with this podcast, and I'm excited that you and I finally got some time to connect because it took us a little bit. Uh, yes, <laughs> you were a little bit, bit busy. Yeah, <laughs> so. First off, I wonder if you would fill in the listeners a little bit about your diagnosis story and where you're at with your disease today.
0: Awesome. Thanks. So when I was in my junior year of undergrad, in the fall semester, I started having diarrhea that wouldn't go away. And I thought, you know, like most women, I'm sure, think, oh, I must be getting my period. Things are changing down there. It's fine. It'll go away. And then like, my period was two weeks ago. This isn't normal. And so what I did was I kept an eye on it. And one day I saw a little bit of blood in it. And I thought, okay, this is definitely a problem that I need to address. So I had just switched my breast control from the pill to the patch. And I thought it could be related to that. So I went to the gynecologist and they were like, this is so not in our league. You should go to your general health doctor. It's probably a stomach bug if only. So I went to my pediatrician because I was 20 years old and had not made the switch to a big girl doctor. And that was a bit frustrating because at the pediatrician, they are used to sort of talking down to you as if you were a child. And, and when they started suggesting things like celiac uh, and all those things, like it's autoimmune disease, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yes, I know what that was. I took honors bio in high school. I remember that class. Um, They sent me to get blood work and stool samples done. And it was really embarrassing because I I went to school two hours away from home. And yet somehow on family weekend, we met a doctor who works in the pediatrician's practice that I went to. So now I'm walking out of the doctor's office feeling totally defeated that I've got this poop problem. And I'm carrying this huge, I guess, plastic hat is what they called it to collect all my samples, and I had nine empty vials in a bag that I had to fill over Thanksgiving break. And I'm walking in with the poop hat of shame, and I run into that doctor that I ran into at family weekend. What are the chances? So that just made me feel even worse. And so Black Friday, I got blood work done. I hate needles. It was a thing. It was not a fun thing. And then I spent the weekend trying to fill the vials, because at this point now, not only had I had deadly farts and chronic diarrhea and it was getting bloody but now I had been going so frequently that when I did go it was not in high volume and so that really made it difficult to fill up all the vials and the stress of knowing that I needed to get it done before I went back to school back to the dorm that I shared a bathroom with five other women and I didn't want to bring the poop hat and the vials because lord knows when I'd be able to drive it back down to mom's at home because I didn't have a car at that point. It was a mess. But by the grace of God, I sold all the vials. We sent them in. And then I found out as I was headed to a group project meeting for the end of the year, I was going to meet some fellow students. And I got the call that they found white blood cells in my stool. And my heart just sank because it was great to find out that they didn't find any markers for celiac because I love all things CARBs. But I knew that this was a a problem. And so I get to the group meeting and my friend who has alopecia, which is another autoimmune disease, so she completely understood, uh, you know, she sort of commiserated with me a bit and I I finished out the semester. I took a two-hour tap dance final somehow in a flare that I didn't know was a flare. (laughs) And then we went to get a a checkup at the UPenn in Philadelphia because that's where the pediatrician referred me to. And they wanted to schedule me for an emergency colonoscopy right away to figure out what was going on. So two days after Christmas, I had my first colonoscopy, which was not a fun experience because I very stupidly thought at Christmas dinner, I'm not going to be able to eat for two days. Let me double up on all my portions now, which was not the right choice. Ducalax pills are very violent. And what was up was up and what was down was down at the same time. And I did not feel very good about myself. There was very low self-love in that moment, but we made it through. And I get there and I, I feel a little queasy because I haven't an eaten. And as we're walking down this long hallway to get to where the sculpt would be, I see someone walk by with a plate of eggs and bacon. So rude. And <laughs> so I saw that. I was very jealous. We go in, we're all super nervous. And nobody told me that women of childbearing age need to take a pregnancy test prior to any sort of anesthesia. No, no one thought to mention that, so I thought I was being responsible and went to the bathroom before we left the house. So I get there, and <laughs> I delayed my appointment for like two hours because I had nothing to offer them in terms of pregnancy testing. And I told her that I promise you, the angel Gabriel has not come. I do not need this test. Please just give me my scope. I want to get out of here. I want to eat my pork roll. Like, let me do this. And so they let me slide. <laughs> I get my scope and I wake up and we wait and we wait and we wait for the doctor. And eventually he comes in and he says, is quite a, hands down. But don't worry, it's manageable. What? That's, that's it? That's all I get? I just woke up from anesthesia. For the first time since I had my wisdom teeth out in high school, and I'm 20 years old, after doing all my extensive Google searching when I was trying to diagnose myself, I know that ulcerative colitis is a very serious thing. And all I get was, it's manageable. And, you know, my dad's overjoyed that it's not cancer, and I'm just sitting there thinking, great, I'm sick forever, gotta love it. So they put me on prednisone and they told me to do steroid enemas, which I fought tooth and nail because for some reason, I'm going to blame the prednisone. I felt very emotional towards those because I felt that as a 20-year-old woman, that would just make me even less of a woman to have to put medicine in my rear end and and deal with that. And so I fought my parents' tooth and nail. We still have boxes of leftover enemas, which makes me feel Terrible because people would kill for that kind of medicine, and I was too proud to do that. So, I only did a couple before it was time to go back to school. My doctor let me not do them when I was in school because she knew that I shared a room with someone and I shared a bathroom with five other women, and it just would not be possible. And so, I was on the prednisone. I started at 45 milligrams a day and tapered five milligrams every week. So, I was on it for about two months, and then at the same time as I was tapering off, I started my infusions of NTVO and i am so so grateful for all who had a hand in making Intivio because it has gotten me to remission and i just head over heels in love with it i know everyone has mixed feelings and mixed reviews on this particular drug but i am so so grateful when i first was told that i would need to have it i cried in the doctor's office because i realized i would have to have needles forever and at the infusion center where i originally went it would take them at least two, once it even took them three tries to get the stick, and as I said, afraid of needles. But now we've since switched over to a doctor closer to home, and now I'm BFFs with my infusion nurse Donna, she's my infusion angel, and she gets the whole one every time. So if I could look back and tell that 20-year-old scared, um, unself-loving girl that everything is going to be okay, I totally would. Because sure, everything's not going to be okay 100% of the time. But I never imagined my life could be like this. And I'm just so grateful.
1: Thank you so much, Sophia. I feel as though people can take away a lot of good tips from (laughs) how things happen to you in sort of a um, don't do it this way kind of thing. Don't go to the bathroom before you leave the house. Hold it in. Yes.
0: Hold it in. No one told me.
1: It's funny because I was reading something about this recently, and to be honest, that's never been my experience. I guess every institution does things differently, but I've never had to take a pregnancy test prior to a colonoscopy or, to my knowledge, prior to any of the procedures that I've ever had.
0: Really? You're so... I want to go where you go. Because I get stage
1: fright. Well, I feel as though maybe that's, you know, testing is probably a good thing. Should they be taking my word on that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> so it's interesting. And I because it has not been my personal experience, I was not aware of, of how, that it, how often that actually is done. And that, yes, leaving the house. I've done that myself many times. For instance, when experiencing um, a urinary tract infection. And then what do you do before you leave the house? You go to the bathroom. And then you get yeah. to the doctor or, or even going to your annual for your um, gynecologist. You get there and they're like, okay, we need a sample. And it's like, you know, I managed my whole, whole day around not <laughs> having to go to the bathroom while I was here. And now this is an issue. So as you mentioned, you were in school when you were diagnosed. How do you feel about that statement from your physician now when he came in and said, it's colitis, but it's manageable. Do you feel that manageable is accurate? Well,
0: I went to school for communication studies. And so I have learned extensively about the power that our language and our words have. And there was this great communication uh, theorist who said the limits of my language are the limits of my world. So when you're waking up out of anesthesia and you're 20 years old and you're don't worry, it's manageable. The only management experience I have as a 20 year old is thinking back to back when I was on shift work and, you know, I was being managed or I just, I feel like that word carries such negative connotations in today's society. And I think that it's so important that we use better language, especially when people are new to this. I'm the first one in my family to have it. And so I feel very strongly that I understand that doctors diagnose this multiple times a day, multiple days a week, multiple weeks a year, and that they're a bit desensitized to it. But I think it is so worth it to just take 30 seconds before you enter that room with the patient and their wide-eyed family and think, how can I describe this in a way that won't sugarcoat it, but will also give them hope? You know, if he said something along the lines of perhaps, it's all sort of quite as hands down. I know this seems scary, but don't worry. We're going to work together to get her back to a quality of life. That's something. Now, yes, he wasn't my doctor. I saw a nurse practitioner, so someone else did my scope. But, but to be able to say, you know, we're going to work together to make this work for you, or or something other than manageable. I just don't think that that is a phrase that we should be throwing around because. I don't want my life to be manageable. I don't want to survive with Crohn's colitis. I want to survive with IBD. And, and I want a medical team who will work with me to get to that point.
1: Thank you so much for that answer. I know that there are clinicians that listen to this podcast as well. And there's some really great takeaways there. So thank you for that. And oh, I also you. want to ask you, though, how it was being diagnosed while you were still in school, you sort of have this, okay, you had school before you were diagnosed and then you have school after you were diagnosed. So how did your school career change? Can you uh, compare the two, the before and the after diagnosis?
0: Absolutely. So one thing that was a major change was that I was able to get a medical single. So that first year I went back after winter break And we applied for the medical single. They said, oh, yeah, we found a room in another suite. And I said, that's not going to work for me. I don't want to go to another suite and then share a bathroom with five new strangers. I want my own room with my own bathroom. So I had to wait until senior year to get my own room with my own bathroom. And my doctor wrote me a great letter. She really laid it out. I think having the blood in the stool in the letter was a huge deciding factor to grant me this medical single because when I applied for it for this past year, my grad school year, I was initially denied and I went into the appeal and I'm like, yeah, chronic illnesses, don't just go away. <laughs> I got it last year and I kind of needed to get it this year and I was granted the medical single. So that has made a world of difference in my college career and it also had a really positive impact on my course of study. So I don't know how that is with other majors, but with communication, a lot of times when we have assignments, we get to choose the topic on which we research. So it'll be, you know, write a research paper, write a research proposal, but we can choose. And I was always sort of drifting in the wind when it came, I really wanted to focus on. And after getting diagnosed and founding the Princess Promise, I really started honing in on IBD, IBD and femininity, medical communications. And so that helped guide some direction to my course of study, both in my undergrad and in my graduate year. Now, one thing that was really a negative was that along with changing my birth control and getting diagnosed with lifelong illness, I didn't even realize it, but I had gotten depressed. I'd always had anxiety, uh, much to my dismay when I realized it, <laughs> because of an honors kid, an overachiever like my niece, I, I was always on the go, always doing things. And then now to add this element of depression, I I realized how little I socialized in the last couple of years of college. And this isn't all IBD related. I mean, I was upset to leave home in the first place. So I definitely think if I had had mental health intervention prior to starting my college career, my story may have been different. But I am, you know, you can't live life with regrets. This is my story. This is how I've come out of it. And I tried very hard to cram four years of socializing into my last year, into my grad school year, and I had a great time. So IBD definitely gave me more direction, and this past year, getting my mental health on track helped give me more of a social life with that as well.
1: That's really interesting that you say about socializing, because I think that's true for a lot of people with IBD. The socialization does get to be really challenging, and it's not because you don't want to do things. It's not because you don't want to have the college experience. It's because you literally can't. You literally cannot do those things that other people your age are doing. So you're glad now that you have sort of taken control of your mental health and you're socializing more, and you were Miss Camden County 2018. Yes, I was. So I'm a little bit in awe that you are able to do all of these things despite all of the barriers that are in your way. And so you were diagnosed prior to this. So take me through that experience a little bit. And what is that like? Like I, I have zero frame of reference for what it is like to be Miss Anything. So can you orient me and let me know what's that like from your perspective of also having ulcerative colitis?
0: Absolutely. I'm so glad that you brought that up because uh, on my time hop, every all the pageant things are, are popping up again. And so I, I'm getting to relive it a little bit. So when I was a... Freshman in high school, I did my first pageant. It was for my town. I got first runner-up, and then the following year, I was uh, crowned Miss Magnolia 2012. And I lived into this year of service with every fiber of my being. I loved being a princess. It was so amazing. And so when I, I was diagnosed, and I did not feel like a princess, I—that's when I realized I need to found the Princess Promise because if I'm going through this, then surely somebody else will as well. And so within a year of being diagnosed, not only did I found the Princess Promise, but a few months later, I signed up for the Miss Camden County pageant because that was always in the back of my mind that I was Miss Magnolia. And now it seemed like the absolute perfect opportunity to go for this title. I'm not sure if you are familiar at all with how the Miss America organization works, but every contestant, well, now they're called candidates have what was formerly called a platform. It's now called a social impact initiative. And so I obviously adopted the Princess Promise as my social impact initiative. And what was great about this pageant system is that every title holder's crown has four points, and they stand for scholarship, service, success, and style. So, they really want to hear about what you're passionate about. They really want to hear about the head that holds the crown more so than look at the body that supports it. And I couldn't wait to share my truth and spread my message of the Princess Thomas with the pageant world and the bigger world uh, as a whole. So, when I went into the pageant interview, the judges were very taken with my whole attitude towards IBD and my platform itself and I tied for scoring an interview and then I also won the title and then throughout the year I would take pictures when I was at events I would take pictures with restroom signs and all sorts of things to promote my platform and and continue not only posting to my Miss Camping Facebook page but also continue producing content for the Princess Promise and finishing up undergrad. Not quite sure how I accomplished that. I think little sleep had something to do with it, but it all worked out. And then I went into Miss New Jersey. I did not win the fabulous Jamie Gallerato. She won, totally deserves it. But I was so ecstatic to tie for second place in community service. And I also got rookie of the year non-finalist interview and overall interview. So I beat out all of the top 10 in interview, which was really amazing. And after the pageant, one of my friends who had previously won that award for the past few years came up to me and there were tears in her eyes. And she said, you spoke your truth. And they loved it. They loved it. And that was such a moment for me because I knew that it was an unconventional pageant platform. I have a pixie cut. That's an unconventional look for a pageant girl. I'm talking about poop and princesses. And you're not really sure how it's going to be received, but everybody loved it so much. It's funny, at Miss New Jersey Week, everyone seems to get a little constipated. I don't know if it's nerves or dehydration or both, but poop was a common topic during pageant week. And one day in the theater when we were rehearsing, one of the hostesses found this poop emoji pen. And they said, who's this? Does anybody know? And one of my pageant sisters said, I have no idea, but you have to give that to Sophia. So, <laughs> you know, we all sort of bonded over this. Everybody loved it. And it was just so great to have it so well received, especially in such a traditionally feminine and princess realm
1: as the pageant world. I love that you are doing this work and that you are sort of bringing a different dimension to this. Um but how did you manage to do all of this? And then take me through, what are your responsibilities as Ms. Camden County? And how would you manage this, having
0: ulcerative colitis? So I have a really great support system. My doctor's office and Donna worked around my school schedule to schedule my infusion. So I was able to get in on Fridays instead of having to drive the two hours home in the middle of the week and <laughs> for infusions. And then drive all the way back up to school. And then my mom, she would handle a lot of the driving to and from events, which was amazing. And I'm very grateful for that. So my routine, at least in the fall semester, Monday mornings, I would go to the CAF. I would eat before class or work or whatever I had. And I would just Google events in South Jersey, fundraising in South Jersey. And I would look up different places that I could reach out to and say, hey, you know, I'm doing this year of service. Can I come and and be a part of your event? And most of the time, they were very receptive to it, which was nice. And I also had great pageant friends like my friend Jess Indio, and she would invite me to a lot of things. So that sort of covered that area, because as a local title holder and state and national title holder in the Miss America organization, you are required to serve out a year of service. So not only do you promote your platform, you also promote the national platform, which is Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. You train for the next level of pageantry. So I was going through a couple mock interviews for Miss New Jersey. I was picking out my gown. I was trying to eat healthier, which was really difficult for me. I do definitely tie my emotions to food. And trying to find time to work out was a struggle, but I also had dance class because I was a dance minor. So that did help me out a little bit. And all of these things together made such a whirlwind. I had to cut out a lot of socializing because I would go home almost every weekend to be able to do all of these events and things. But my year of service is something that I will always cherish because I met so many wonderful people. I did such amazing networking and I was able to spread the message about IBD, bring about more awareness, show that we are not burdens to society, that we are still out here doing amazing things, getting our education, joining the workforce, helping others. And so it was just such an amazing opportunity to do all of that and trying to schedule things ahead of time and sleep when possible and doing a lot of homework in the middle of the night as well. All of these work together to make for one insane and amazing year as Miss Camden County.
1: Wow, that's amazing. And thank you for doing all of that and for bringing, you know, IBD awareness to people who probably didn't know anything about IBD before you walked into their lives. So that's really wonderful.
0: Thank you. And you know, what's surprising was that I wasn't the first person to compete in the pageant with IBD. Uh, There was Lauren Talvacchio, she had held a few local titles in the Miss New Jersey pageant and she had IBD. Her platform was about it. So she was a couple years before me. And then I don't know if you remember, but People Magazine did a video on Facebook about a med student who has Crohn's disease and competed in a pageant. She was in the Miss New Jersey pageant a couple years ago. And so it's just so amazing. The the more I talk about IBD with others, I find more people say, oh, yeah, I know someone who has that or, oh, yeah, I, I've heard about that. And of course, I try not to get upset if they say, oh, yeah, I have IBS or I have stomach problems because every battle is valid. Yes, it's different than mine, but pain is still pain. And so it's great that we can start to destigmatize the conversation around vowels in general and, and wipe away IBD stinky stigma one conversation at a time. I agree with you. Sometimes
1: it does get a little frustrating, especially if you are not in a great place and you're in the middle of something uh that's really taking over your life, for instance, a flare-up or a procedure, and someone says something like, "Oh, well gosh, is it like having the stomach flu?" But at the same time, their reality is their reality, your reality is your reality, and all we can do is educate, I guess, is at the end of the day. Exactly. Yes,
0: the the key to eradicating stigma is educating.
1: I ran into uh, another gal who is competing, and now, gosh, I can't remember exactly where, uh, what pageant she's competing in. Um, I met her at IBD Day on the Hill, and it really did start me on the path of thinking about this and, and sort of non-traditional ways to raise awareness, of which this is this is a great one. So this is wonderful that you're doing this work. But I want to know more about the Princess Promise. So tell me about the Princess Promise. Tell me what's next for the Princess Promise now that you are finished with school. And I also want to hear from you a little bit about what it was like to start this work in the first place, because you went from receiving this diagnosis, well, even before you received the diagnosis, you were struggling to uh, turn in this stool <laughs> sample, to receiving the diagnosis, to, you know, overcoming all of these uh, mental challenges, to talking about poop on the Facebook and the Instagram. So tell me what that's like for you.
0: Oh, my gosh, it's been a wild ride. If you had told me Let's see. I was diagnosed in 2016. So if you had told me three years ago at this point that I would be known for talking about poop on the internet, I would have said that you're crazy. I'm a very open person. I'm very blunt at times. But poop was the one subject that I would never touch with a 10-foot pole. And God has a sense of humor, clearly. But I I was diagnosed two days after Christmas. And by mid-January, I had launched the princess Promise, and I credit the winning combination of Jesus and prednisone because I couldn't sit still and I couldn't sit and mope. And yes, I needed to learn how to handle bad news in life, which I eventually did. But it was great to channel a lot of my energy into something positive because when I was frantically Googling, I found a lot of horror stories. And my nurse practitioner at the time, she said, "Stay at the internet unless it's the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation's website. I don't want you looking at anything." And I thought. Well, you know what? Someone's got to put some positivity out there. Of course, since founding The Princess Promise, I've found so many other amazing IBD bloggers such as GI Jen, Own Your Crohn's. so many great things. But at the time, I thought, let me go out there into this space and and fill it with sunshine and rainbows. (laughs) And so I didn't want to sugarcoat anything, but I wanted to show that you can still survive and thrive with IBD because we're getting new cases every day. And the fastest growing patient population are children under the age of 18, and they need someone to look up to. They and their moms and dads need to know that their hopes and dreams of a college education or a great job in a trade field or getting married and, and having a family, all of these goals that they always had for their child's birth are still very possible. So I launched the Princess Promise with the promise that no matter what we experience, we are still princesses. Because society tends to put the definition of princess in a nice little feminine box with a bow and some ruffles and a ball gown. And I had to relearn what a princess meant to me because I had come from my Miss Magnolia background. My honors thesis in grad school was on public relations for Disney princesses. I lived and breathed princesses, and I had to to reconcile that that passion of mine with what my battles were getting me at the time and so I launched it on, on Facebook and Instagram at the time I tried Twitter I ended up not really going forward with that but what's great about the Princess Promise is that it has a global reach and even men follow us as well which I find to be incredible and I've interacted with people from Australia from England from France and I just I'm overwhelmed with how my message and my story resonates with others all over the world. And it shows that there is a need for us to think outside of that traditionally feminine box, because you can be a princess and wear softball cleats. You can be a princess and poop a lot. And you can be a princess and, yes, wear a ball gown. There's nothing stopping you from holding your head up high so that your crown doesn't slip. And I think that that's such an important message for people going through any sort of, whether it's autoimmune or chronic illness in general and so i'm just so grateful that it's resonated with so many and that it's really taken off i agree
1: with you in that we need to change our perceptions i think and quite honestly the perception that women are somehow not people that get digestive <laughs> disease are it like that's actually that's killing people that's not great it's it's really wonderful that you've been able to uh, do this outreach, do this work, and educate, bring people into the fold. And then I think also make other women feel better about living with digestive disease, maybe even just a little bit, you know, because it tends to make you feel maybe a little bit, a little bit less than womanly, to be honest.
0: Absolutely. It. I mean, I fought those enemas tooth and nail because I didn't think it made me feel like a woman, which is ridiculous because at the end of the day, I can still be whoever I want to be. And those enemas would have helped me get to this place so much faster. And so I hope that, I know that you asked what's next and, and I have so many different doctor Q&A videos coming up and doing things like this and, and just producing more consistent content now that I don't have finals anymore. And, and I hope that all of this will work together to help educate and inspire and make people laugh because my mom taught me that if you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at? And yes, this is a serious disease, but there's no need to be serious 100% of the time if cracking a smile can help you or someone else.
1: You're totally right about that. If we have to be serious a hundred percent of the time, I'm failing <laughs> at that. Like 90% of the time. <laughs> so- <laughs> yeah.
0: I, mean, I can't get my diagnosis story without cracking a couple jokes. So, you work
1: with what you got. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Humor is great medicine for us. So let everyone know where they can follow The Princess Promise. I think you said that you're not on Twitter. I wonder if I can coax you over to the Twitter at some point. But where are you currently? <laughs> Maybe now that I don't have
0: grad school, I'll be able to branch out a bit. But we are currently on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Princess Promise. And we are also on Instagram, instagram.com slash the princess promise and i also have a wix site which i've posted the link to on my facebook page a couple of times that's where my webinar is on social media fundraising if you have any Constant colitis foundation fundraisers coming up you want a little extra boost for and i have some blog posts on the website as well and we mainly operate through facebook lives and instagram stories now and All sorts of things I can't wait to explore further now that I'm not in school anymore.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to see where this takes you. Um, I admire your energy. I admire your advocacy. And I hope, like, you're not too far from me. So I hope we can meet up in person one day.
0: I would love that so
1: much. Yes. I don't know. Is the world ready for the two of us in the same place at the same time?
0: I, I hope their bathrooms are ready. <laughs> we have to pick a place with really superior bathrooms. One time I did an event in New York with my pageant friends, and we're all in crowns and sashes, and we went to the bathroom, and it was superb. So I Facebook Live from the bathroom, as one does. And it was so much fun. So we definitely, when we meet up, we need a place with an excellent bathroom from which to
1: Facebook Live. That would be so fun. I, Whenever I go to conferences or events now... Well, not all of the time, because sometimes the bathrooms are unremarkable. But if they're interesting at all, sometimes I'll take a photo or sometimes if uh, i confess if they're really gross (laughs) i kind of like to take a photo because i'm with you on the idea of i want to share positive stories so i want to share what's positive in my life but i also want to share that sometimes we have to use public restrooms and we don't have a choice and they're really kind of icky you know but in general um most places where i've gone to events it's been especially like las vegas really the bat like the bathrooms in every hotel Um, that I've been in and not that I've been there. I've only been there a few times, but I was like, it was even the bathrooms in Las Vegas are like shockingly amazing. I think I have a few pictures on my Instagram, but, uh, yeah, that's super fun. Oh my gosh. Facebook live from bathroom. I actually never really thought about that before. That's a great idea. Oh, we're going to do that.
0: Oh, it's great. If it's, if there's a, a separate section from the stalls, because for some reason in this country, our bathroom stalls have awkward gaps between the doors so that you make that crazy eye contact with someone when you're trying to figure out if it's occupied or not. But if the room is separate from the stalls, then yes, go for the Facebook Live and the Instagram story because people need to get bathroom inspiration. It's, it's the throne room after all.
1: And you know, a lot of women's <laughs> bathrooms have that little lounge attached. Not a lot, I should say some. Especially when you go into like New York City, especially the like the theater district and stuff like that where you have older buildings, they have these sort of elaborate um, lounge areas with furniture and, you know, sometimes they decorate them and and whatever. Like those would be those would be some perfect spaces for some Facebook lives.
0: We need to do a bathroom tour of New York. I'm going to look that up. We need to make that happen. I have summer Fridays now, so we're going to make that happen. (laughs) Let's
1: do it. We'll make some plans for the summer. It sounds great.
0: Stay tuned, <laughs> listeners, first the Bathroom Tour of New York.
1: <laughs> thank you so much, Sophia. I'm so glad we finally got to uh, find some time to talk.
0: Absolutely. I cannot thank you enough for having me on, and I look forward to our Bathroom Tour and other future collaborations. <laughs> thank you. Hey, super listener.
1: Special thanks to Sophia Vicari for taking the time to talk with me and for using her platform to raise awareness about IBD. The stigma we face as IBD patients can be overwhelming. Many people living with IBD feel isolated. Because of the way digestive disease is thought of in our society, a lot of suffering takes place in silence. It's women like Sophia who are working every day to ensure that no one with IBD feels alone. You can support Sophia on Facebook and Instagram by following her at The Princess Promise. You can also follow me on the Twitters, Instagrams, and the Facebooks at About IBD. If you're looking for disease information, please go over to verywell.com. Once you're there, you can use the search box to find information about IBD that I have written and which has been medically reviewed by a practicing gastroenterologist if you can't find a topic that you're looking for, head over to my blog at aboutibd.com and use the contact form to send me your ideas. Thanks for listening. And if you're in the mood to tap out a review on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it. And remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD.